Ohana is officially over for this summer, but I thought it would be helpful for us to uh, just do a quick review of Daniel. And I have a confession to make. When we first started Ohana, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed kids being in service. I enjoyed talking to the NPR and the, the intimacy. And um, if things get too spread out, I may come down and start talking to you. So don't let that freak you out. The wandering pastor will come down. I'll try and be good and stay where I'm supposed to. But originally, I was thinking, okay, we'll tell some kids' stories every week and uh, have fun interacting with Jeff. That was a highlight for me. And no cake today, brother? That's all right. Okay. Um, but I thought, you know, really, there's so much that we can absorb from the life of the, the principles that this man um, exemplified in his life. When I read biographies, I enjoy reading biographies of, of people, whether they're famous or not, but I'm always intrigued with what makes someone tick. And usually you get that in the first chapter or two of the biography. Hopefully they, they give you enough uh, background of the person's um, childhood, adolescence, to give you an idea of what really makes this person tick. What, form their character. Because character formation is so important in people, in the individual, and that really determines your destiny, how to spend the rest of your life. Now that does not mean we cannot make midstream corrections, and it does not mean that old dogs cannot learn new tricks, because old dogs can learn new tricks. That gives me hope every morning. Uh, when I look in the mirror and say, Lord, teach this old dog new tricks. I do that. But anyway, it's interesting looking at Daniel's background. As you remember, um, Daniel didn't start off that well. He was a privileged young man. He was, uh, as a young teenage guy, the Babylonians came and sort of overtook Jerusalem and plundered the temple and, and oppressed Daniel's people. And he was carried off into the enemy's capital city, and he was indoctrinated. He was given a Babylonian name. He was taught the Babylonian language and the Babylonian culture. So basically, they were trying to take the best and brightest, kind of the honorable kids from Judah, and turn them into model Babylonian citizens so they could help administer the empire. Daniel didn't really have a lot of choice. In this. It's been like winning a Rhodes Scholarship, except he didn't apply for it. He just got drafted and plucked, plucked in um, a foreign land that was really hostile. Now it's interesting, even though Daniel and his friends, we know them by their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were given foreign names and immersed in this foreign culture, but it really didn't change their identity as followers of the true God. Not really. They adapted well to the culture, and in fact, they did so well, they were soon promoted to the top tiers of the civil service. God's hand was really on them. And I don't know if you know anything about office politics. The book of Daniel is almost all riddled with office politics. People trying to rat out Daniel, get him in trouble. It was, it was worse than a reality show. It was worse than Survivor. 
because people actually die. The book of Daniel, trying to climb to the top of the ladder, so to speak, or the pyramid. It was pretty ugly. And you think you have a difficult boss? You can imagine working for several different ultimate rulers and tyrants that, that Daniel did. He worked for several. And somehow, he literally kept his head and kept his position. And God honored him and blessed him. And he was an asset to that regime, even though it was an ungodly place. But Daniel showed us that we can really prosper and do well, no matter what our circumstances. It's easy for us to let our circumstances drag us down. We get caught up in the blame game and make excuses for the way we behave. Sometimes that could be legitimate because some of our circumstances are quite stressful and quite extenuating. But Daniel didn't do that. He was not a superhero. The book says at times when God would give him an interpretation of a dream, he was terrified. The king would be terrified, but Daniel would be terrified because who wants to be the bearer of bad news? Especially when the person you're delivering the bad news to literally has the power of life and death over you. That puts that evil boss you work for in a little bit of perspective, right? It might have power to make your life miserable, but not to separate your head from your neck. Anyway, let's go a little further. One verse I'm going to focus on this morning in Daniel 6, this really helps us understand what makes Daniel tick. Remember, there were several different edicts going out saying, basically, you've got to fit in and fit in with the regime and honor the, um, the king of the time, worship him, pray to him. Well, in this, in chapter 6, there was a law that had been signed and basically, the king had said, had agreed to his advisors saying, everyone prays to the king for 30 days. And really, this is more of a, a political statement than a religious statement. It's almost like saluting the flag or doing the Pledge of Allegiance. The Babylonians didn't care a whole lot who you prayed to as long as the king was the focal point. But all the schemers who didn't like Daniel knew that he was a devout Jew. He prayed to the Creator three times a day. He did it so openly. Uh, this verse said, you know, he, he prayed in his upstairs room with the windows open. You could see him, and that's where he got caught. He got busted. And I think Daniel knew that he was going to get into trouble for disobeying this unjust law. He knew that, but he did it anyway. Why? Let's unpack this verse a little bit. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt. What words did it say? Follow the dancing not there. He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. To me, that says it was a habit. That's what he did. We have good habits, we have bad habits. This is a good habit that Daniel had. As usual, and it didn't matter that the law was, uh, had this unjust law had been proclaimed and published through the kingdom, that didn't change Daniel one bit. It probably made him more eager to pray than ever. Than ever. And he knelt 
pray as usual in his upstairs room. And what direction did he pray? Toward Jerusalem. Reminding himself, hey, this is where I come from. These are my roots. Just kind of getting oriented towards what's important. That's one of the things that prayer, consistent daily prayer does for us. It reminds us who we belong to. Who's your daddy? Right? That's, that's really important that it reminds us of this. Let's get to a little more. He prays how many times a day? Three times. Okay. Now look at this next slide. Just as he had always done. So Daniel's got a habit. He's got a practice. He prays as usual. Just as he had always done. Facing towards Jerusalem. Just for us, maybe the, the geographical direction isn't that important. We don't need a GPS. But he was looking homeward. He was orienting himself to the Father. And that's something that we need to remember when we pray, when we go to prayer. Make it a habit. Now, I hate sermons that make me feel guilty. And you probably do too. So I'm not interested in them. I'm not interested in making us all feel guilty about our prayer life or lack of prayer. Okay? Can we all take a deep breath on the count of three? One, two, three. Okay, feel better? Good. This is a guilt-free zone. Now, I can't guarantee that it is a conviction-free zone. Hopefully it is. Because <clears throat> that's the Holy Spirit's job, is to convict us and challenge us and lead us back to the Father. But I would be a very poor preacher if I just wanted to make you feel guilty. Because guilt doesn't work very well in the long term. Right? So we all need to learn about this prayer thing. We all need to develop and strengthen the habits that we have. So maybe there are some things that we can learn together. And I want to give you just a practical, some practical tips on making prayer a habit. See, Daniel got his strength from praying as usual. Three times a day. I, I'm not worried about how many times a day you pray. But just to make it a regular practice, a regular part of our day, just kind of checking in with God. And there's so many different kinds of prayer. There's prayer kind of found in the Bible, by the way. Prayer found when you're in a gym, just sending up emergency ones. There's, there's skeptical prayers. Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. One of my favorite prayers. And you don't have to be full of faith. You just have to be desperate to pray and want to connect with God. And I think in this story, where Daniel knelt as usual, as he had always done, I think there was an extra sense of urgency. Because he was probably... Uh, maybe just keeping an eye out the window, wondering when the uh, the king's stooges were going to come in and arrest him. And they, they did shortly after this. They caught him praying. But that didn't stop him. He went to the source of life, his source of strength, and did that. I want to talk to you just briefly about a habit that some people I know get into as far as Praying regularly. This is something that's been done for hundreds of years by people who love Jesus and want to have a, a deeper relationship with the Father. And it's called the examen. What that means is a way of kind of examining how am I doing with myself? How am I doing with God? This isn't a have to, this is a could. Okay? 
second. This is just something that you might want to check out on your own. Uh, first of all, you start becoming aware of the presence of God. Now, this might be a little bit difficult on the bus or as you're driving. Please, of course, rise. When you drive, let's not be guilty of distracted driving when you pray. It's a little bit. MPI probably doesn't cover a plane like that. So pray with your eyes open, especially when you're driving. But just become aware of the presence of God. Just think, okay, just focus for a bit on who God is, His majesty, maybe maybe confusing, maybe a, a portion of the wild verse ringing in your head. I love the, um, Doug, who won the British Open? That American golfer. Zach Johnson. The last round of the British Open, this American golfer, Zach Johnson, had his first from Psalm <coughs> rattling through his head. He just kept praying and praying. Now he's playing for the championship of golf, probably the most prestigious championship of golf. Don't you think he'd just be paying attention to hit the ball, get it in the hole better than anybody else? And here's Zach Johnson. He's got this verse from Psalms playing over and over and over. God is using that to just kind of steady his nerves and, you know, do what he's there to accomplish. It's kind of a neat story. He's a very humble guy, which uh, adds, to, adds to the delight of the story. He's just some humble guy from Iowa. But there's Zach Johnson becoming aware of the presence of God, even in the golf course, even the last round of this pressure-filled tournament. I think that's kind of a neat story. So whatever helps you become aware of the presence of God, who you're talking to. Then, if it's a, whether it's in the middle of the day or whether it's at the beginning of the day looking ahead, maybe your daytime or is filled with stuff, then pray through your daytime. If you're having a hard time concentrating on God, pray through the big things in your day. Or if you're at lunchtime just doing a halftime check, how have things gone so far? What's next? Or at the end of the day, review the day with gratitude. What can you thank God for? We can always find something to thank not be pleasant, may not be a Kodak happy moment, but what can we thank God for? Often God uses pain and hard times to get our attention and draw us closer to Him. But does it make you a masochist? It just makes you a disciple saying, Lord, I know you're trying to discipline me and use these circumstances to get my attention. Okay, you got my attention. What can we thank God for? And as we thank God, it changes our attitude, it changes our perspective. Now pay attention to your emotions, because they're like the indicator lights in your car. A lot of us go through life not paying any attention, and we're wondering, ooh, there's a flashing light there. What am I feeling? And whatever you're feeling, give those feelings to God. Lord, I feel tense today. I feel anxious. I feel angry. I feel joyful. Offer that to Him. He knows it anyway, so you might as well admit it, identify it, and ask Him for help. In Say, what's behind this emotion? What, what is it signaling? Choose one feature of the day and pray for it. Maybe you've got a challenging conversation coming up. Maybe you've got a difficult task. Maybe you've got something that you're looking forward to. Choose one feature of the day and, and pray for it. And pray for it. And then ask Holy Spirit to direct you to something during the day that God thinks is important. It might be something vivid or it might be seeming something seemingly insignificant that he wants to point out. Look for the God sightings in your life. Make note of them. 
and share them with them. Then at the end of it, when you're all done, look towards tomorrow. Ask God to give you light for tomorrow's challenges. And ask Him for forgiveness, protection, wisdom about questions you have and problems you face. And do all this in a spirit of gratitude and trust. Our police chief, Devon Kunis, got into trouble with the media as soon as he took the job as chief of Winnipeg Police Services. Why? Because as he was being interviewed by a Christian magazine, a Christian magazine with a Christian audience, he was asking people to pray for the Winnipeg Police Service and for the city of Winnipeg. And for that, all kinds of ridicule and verbal abuse was heaped on him. That didn't make him buckle under. In fact, he retorted back, you know, not in a saucy or inappropriate way, but he stood his ground saying, you know what? Chief Clunas doesn't take any He doesn't take any garbage. He's a straight shooting guy. No. I'm talking to a Christian audience. I don't expect the general population to pray. If they want to pray, that's great. They're not enforcing it. But we need all the help we can get in Winnipeg. And if you ask that man the secret to God being with him, Chief Clunas would say, he does this every day. He checks in with God. He makes it a habit. That's what's giving him strength. That inspires me and gives me strength. To do the same thing because I see God sustaining the chief and he will sustain each one of us as we come to him as usual as part of our regular practice. It's not something we have to do, it's something we get to do. And God will lead us. Let's pray. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless this cup and bless this bread. You know we're broken people, we need you, we need to be restored and healed and empowered, and we pray that you do this as we share this with people. And for all the prayers that are being offered up in your name, we just say, Lord, you know we need you. In Jesus' name.